Tonight, uh, I'm going to be talking about um, cash. We're going to be talking about the power of cash. I'm going to ask a similar question to Pastor Martin. That is, how many people here prefer not talking about money? Nobody? That's wonderful. Because I was going to say, if you're the head of their house... You better get serious. And, and this isn't a prophecy. This is nothing. This is other than, this is just coming at you. You better get serious about it because it is important. And it takes time and it takes effort. When I talk about cash tonight, we're going to be talking about a number of different things. We're going to be talking about things like this, the green money that people in my generation connect with. But we're also going to be talking about this kind of cash too. That comes in a plastic form. Um, and also things like checking accounts where, where, where cash is stored up, savings accounts, investment accounts. We're going to be talking about equity, debit cards, credit cards. And the thing I want you to, to understand tonight, I hope I can articulate this to you properly, is that cash has power. It, do, it does have power. And hopefully I'm, I'm going to help you understand that. I want to start with just a few facts about money. Kind of, kind of some interesting things. First of all, money is just a tool. Money's, money is just a tool. And you know, some people feel that, you know, life's short. So I'm going to spend what I got. And that's what's going to make me happiest. But if you're not planning for your future, you're going to get surprised. I'm in my 60s now. And I really got serious, very serious about this when I was in my 40s. I wish I would have started when I was in my 20s or, or thereabouts or even younger. I, I know I would be far ahead of, of where I am today. And some people think they have plenty of time to, to save for the future. I'm telling you, my years have just passed by so quickly. You got, you got to get involved in the program. You know, there's some people that think they're going to take their money with them. It may go six foot deep, but that's as far as it's going to go. I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen anybody take it with them to heaven. It stays here. Some people feel that money is something that others have that they will not be able to have. But they're missing the formula. One of the simple formulas... Of, of gathering wealth is time, change, and sacrifice. Time, change, and sacrifice. Some people feel like you have to have a financial planner if you're going to create a financial plan. And you can use one, but you don't need one. And I'm going to show you some simple steps in this message tonight. Here's another interesting thing about money. Did you know that retailers understand that it is less painful to swipe this than it is to hand this over? 
There are retailers that, some retailers that won't take cash now. They know. It's, it, it's not painful to swipe. And you'll probably spend more. And another fact about money is that net worth, which we're going to talk about in detail, net worth feels different than money in your hand. Net worth feels different than real cash in your hand. Another thing I want to share with you is, um, is discussing our, our finances and our wealth. There's a, there's a, a misconception, and, and it's uh, those people who don't have much money think that those who do have money have a little trouble acquiring it and aren't afraid to spend it. That is a misconception. Most people that are wealthy have had to go through a struggle and, and time change and sacrifice to get it. And, and when, when money leaves their hands, they, they know it. In my businesses, I, one, money is one of the things I'm most keen about. I forget a lot of things, but I seldom forget where the money went and how much it was. You know, some people are born into wealth and fortune, but very few. Did you know that most people that acquire wealth come from at or below poverty level and they don't have much when they, when they start? Most wealthy people. It takes ambition and determination and that will, that will lead you to the formulas that lead to, uh, to wealth. Next is saving and spending. Some people struggle to save because their desire to spend is too high. Or they spend on the wrong things. Some people spend because uh, they just can't get it. They just can't get enough. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Some people don't spend because they're hoarders. That, that, that was what I wanted to say. Believe it or not, there are some people. Uh, I, had a, I have a brother-in-law, and when he was young, he, you couldn't get him to buy anything for nothing. And he's, he's now to retirement age, and he has told me continuously, I have to learn how to spend money. He's done very well acquiring a, a, a large amount of money, but now he's got to figure out how to, how to learn to spend it. That doesn't happen as often. But the bottom line is a, a healthy balance is, is the best. And a wealth plan can be started by everyone. Everyone. I'm going to show you some, some techniques to get you started. There's some scriptures about money. In Joshua 1 and 8... He's talking about Joshua meditating on the word day and night and uh, that he is to, to observe the, the word, you know, as, it, as it's written. And then 
If he does that, then you will make your way prosperous. So if you will buy into God's systems, you will, you'll make yourself prosperous. And then, and then after you're prosperous, you'll have great success. So God's not afraid to tell us about money. He wants us to be prosperous in all areas of our lives, our finances, our health, everything. Um, another one is Ecclesiastes 10:19. It says, "A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry, but money answers everything." And if we look that, that up, that same scripture in the message Bible, it says, "Laughter and bread go together, and wine gives sparkle to life. But it's money that makes the world go round. So God understands that, that, that money. The, the transaction of buying and selling, bartering, it, it's important to us. In, in Genesis 47, that's where uh, the story of Joshua is. And I, I, that's one of my favorite stories in the whole book. But in, in chapter uh, 47, that's where Joseph approaches Pharaoh and mentions that uh, Joseph's family and brothers are in trouble because they haven't saved up, stored up like Joseph did. Joseph had the, the, was hearing from God, had the discernment to save and store. And, and when the bad times came, Joseph had put Pharaoh in a very good position. Well, so, jo so Joseph goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, my, my family's in trouble. And the interesting thing is Pharaoh uh, thinks about that and he says, bring, bring your family on in. But here's the deal. I don't want them to just get by. I want you to put your father and your family and I want them to dwell in the best place that I have. Not average, not OK. I want you to put them in the best place. And I think there's, there's a lot of lessons to learn here about sowing and reaping. You know, hearing from God with Joseph, uh, sowing and reaping uh, for Pharaoh. And then and this was a win-win-win deal because Joseph's family also got to reap the benefits of, of this kind of wisdom. I mean, there's forgiveness in there. and There's all kinds of great stuff. But the bottom line is uh, Joseph was was saving in good times to prepare for bad times. So there's synergy in there, too. Um, do you know that's another thing that investors do? They buy when, when times are not great. When the economy is down, that's when investors are buying and adding to their portfolios. That's how we have to think. My next section is... The power of cash, the definition. As I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about green cash like this. We're going to be talking about credit uh, cards, checking, savings, accounts, that kind of thing, equity. Um, but the, the power of cash, it can put you in a positive financial position if you, if you uh, understand how to manage it. And it gives you options. And when you're, when you're in a... Uh, positive financial position, um, it, it increases your, your net worth. 
that gives you options. Um, my first example that I want to ask you about is, is, a, is a money example. If I have $100,000 in cash, Yes, sir. Or if I own a property, or there's another person that has a, proper, a property, and its value is $100,000, are these the same or are they different? Do they have the same value or are they different? How many people think they're same? How many people think they're different? Unless everybody thinks they're different. Well, they're both. On the surface, they look the same, don't they? But here's the thing about the property. In order to get $100,000 cash, it takes time. And Depending upon how quick I need that $100,000, if I need it tonight, I might only be able to get someone that can write me a check for $70,000. If I've got time, I might get the hundred, or I might only end up with ninety-five. dollars So where I'm going with this is there's a little bit of gray. When you, when you have to, to sell something at, at market value, uh, there's a little bit of gray on, it could be appraised at $100,000, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get it. When I have 100,000 of these things, that allows me to pay free and clear for that property. If I were to pay him $100,000, these guys actually trade places, don't they? <laughs> I'm taking my $100,000 cash and I'm trading him. So we're just trading positions. When I have $100,000 cash, green money, I have the ability to, to negotiate. We could use that example I just shared. If, if that person wants that money right away, he might only get 70000 of my $100,000. There's another thing. If I have $100,000 cash and I go to the bank, typically they're only going to ask me for 20% and they'll lend me the rest. So I could buy that property with $20,000. You see where the power of cash gives you options? I can outlay 20,000 and still have 80,000 left. The savvy investor knows that he has the potential to buy five of these with $100,000. He could, he, could, he could buy five properties valued at $100,000. And the guy at the next level can get six properties because he's only going to pay $80,000 a property. He's, he's going to bundle everything together. He's going to get six. He's going to get six properties because if you only pay... $80,000, you only have to put down $16,000 for down 
times six is $96,000. And he's still got $4,000 in his pocket. Cash has power. Cash has power. That's what I'm trying to, to help you understand. Cash has power. It gives you options. So when you have cash, you need to make sure that you're using it to its fullest capacity. There's different risks with different options. Some people are cut out only for this. The people that build wealth are down in this level. They make money work for them. Right. Instead of owning $100,000 worth of property, they want $600,000 worth of property for their, for their cash outlay. The power of money. I hope nobody's going to sleep. I like talking about this. It's not real uh, uh, laughable, but um, it's important. The next uh, thing I want to share about is the power that comes from being debt free. What, is, what does debt free mean? Debt free is a pretty simple formula. It's where the value of your assets is higher than what you owe, your liabilities. So, if you have $2 million in assets, you have property, you got cars, you got houses, you got all kinds of stuff, and you have $500,000 in loans, you got a house mortgage, you got a car loan, you got this, you got that, and it totals $500,000. That means your net worth is $1,500,000. When you're wealth building, you need a lot more than a FICA score. You need to understand what net worth is. You have to understand. Um, I'm a real estate investor, and when I go into the lender, that's one of the things I have to have ready, is uh, my financial statement, uh, which, which is a snapshot of all my financial activity. We're going to talk just a little bit more about it. But being debt-free uh, is important if you're on a path to wealth building. Here's, here's, um, here's one of the cool things about, um, about being debt-free, too. That thing's rolling around all over on me. <laughs> and this is uh, being debt free, but it's also um, the value of investing. If you if you were to buy that hundred thousand dollar property, 
And let's just say that you have paid down the debt on it. You've paid down, uh, you have $40,000 left to pay on it. You have $60,000 in equity. And when you go into the bank, if you're an investor, the, the lender, the banker, counts this like, like, like he does money. The, the gap between what, you, what your property is valued at and, and what you owe, uh, the, the, the lender counts that as money. Savvy investors use that. They, they seldom take money out of their pocket. They use equity that they've built up in other properties. Uh, back to, to, uh, to debt, uh, it's, it's really important. Nikki's program of, of getting out of debt is, was so, so important because if you're on a path to wealth building, you gotta, you gotta go through that process first. But being debt free, uh, it, it gives you options. There's three areas with, with uh, getting out of debt that I see. And this is a little bit of a repeat of last, last week, but slightly different. First of all is spending. The rule of spending is do not spend more than you bring in. Do not spend more than you bring in. Secondly, you have to have negotiation skills like Nikki does in her job. She calls creditors to see if, if you owe $1,500, if they'll take $700 today. Oftentimes that will work. So negotiating is a very important uh, component of getting out of debt. And thirdly, you have to control your debt. You have to understand good debt and bad debt. But you have to control debt, especially when you're starting. When you're trying to get some kind of a snowball to roll for you, you got controlled debt. Last week there was a question, and the question was: Is is there good debt and bad debt? And I don't know whether we really answered that or not, but I have the answer for you. Yes, there is good debt and there is bad debt. Is good debt good? Yes, usually, unless you get so much good debt that you can't even manage it, then it can turn bad for you, even though it may look good on paper. And is bad debt bad? Yes, usually, unless you, unless you have a need for something. In our society today, if your car breaks down and you gotta go get a new car or a different car and you have to borrow for it, um, you gotta do what you gotta do. Student loans. I think there's a lot of young folks that are maybe stressed about their, their student loans, but I view that as an investment in your education that gets you down the road in your profession. Those things will all get taken care of over time. It does take time, and it does take sacrifice and change. Let's talk just a little bit about uh, well, first, I want, I want to say that, um, again, like money, debt is just a tool also. And both kinds of debt have to be managed. 
And bad debt is an enemy to, to net worth building. Bad debt. What is bad debt? Bad debt are things like boats, extravagant vacations. It could be clothes. It could be furniture. It could be fishing poles. That you, you know, your 20th fishing pole that you don't need. Right, honey? <laughs> and here's the thing about good debt. It fuels net worth. It, good debt can actually be the thing that gets your snowball rolling, that allows it to grow. Bad debt is when you're spending and you're borrowing is on depreciating assets, like we talked about. Depreciating assets are purchased items that have a limited, effective lifetime and they decrease in value. Like boats, like fishing poles, like whatever. They're items that lose their value because of age or market conditions. Good debt, good debt is uh, investing, investing. Did you, see, did you hear the word investing versus spending? Good debt is investing in things that store value. And they grow in value. Like oftentimes real estate can be. And I'm going to show you, if you're a renter today, I hope you're, you're taking notes, because I'm going to give you an example that may blow your mind about renting versus buying. If you're on the fence, this may help you. Good debt. Let me give you an, another example of good, of, uh, of debt. Let's say... Let's say that you have $20,000 cash that you've been able to save up. And I'm going to show you how you can get here, too. But let's just say you have a home mortgage and you only have $20,000 left to pay on that. So... Would it be wise to take your $20,000 cash, pay off that loan, and be done with it? How many people think it would be a good idea? How many people think there's a different option, potentially? The answer is it depends. If you just lost your job, you might be best pay that baby off. But let's just say that this mortgage was at 4% per year. Now, I'm not going to do anything with compound interest or any of that in business. <laughs> so that's costing you about $800 per year, right? At 4%. What if you could take that same $20,000 and you could invest it and you could get 14%? You've, you've now used borrowed money to gain yourself a 10% return. That's what savvy investors do. Money borrowed doesn't scare them because they know how to, they know how to use borrowed money. If, if you don't, if you can't be disciplined, 
and you don't understand it, then don't do it. But I'm saying there's power in cash. There's power in wealth. That's how people grow wealth. I'm going to do this right now. This is, this, is the, uh, this is the renting versus buying example. <clears throat> if you are renting... Anybody sleep out there? I can't see you most of the time. <laughs> and let's just say you're paying $800 per month for rent. I don't know if that's high or low. It's, 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 it's to make a point. Don't get too attached to the numbers. Get, attach yourself to the concept. In 12 months, you'll have spent $9,600 in one year. Do you remember that green money I was holding? That's that. In five years, you will pay your landlord. I'm a landlord. You will pay your landlord 48,000 green dollars. Anybody want to go for 10 years? It's 96,000 green and it's real. That's if your rent doesn't go up. That's if your rent doesn't go up in 10 years. What if we were to take the same money At $800 per month, that will buy us about a $150,000 house. If I've, I think I got my numbers right. I'm not a mortgage person, but at 5% interest, I use my financial calculator, and a 30-year loan will allow you to take $800 a month and in 30 years you'll have that house paid off. Let's see what happens here in 30 years. This is 200 <laughs> That's $288,000. As if your rent doesn't go up. Huh? You have nothing. You own nothing. 288,000 green $1 bills that you will pay out. Well, you might say, well, yeah, you, but you only got a $150,000 home. Well, I got news for you. That house isn't worth $150,000 anymore. That thing has probably doubled. It's worth $300,000 now. It's almost like somebody gave you all the money back. You just saw my example about paying down. As you paying, pay, pay down your mortgage, you have equity. And a banker looks at that like cash. That's why they have home equity loans. Yeah, that's what that's all about. The difference between buying and renting. All my kids own their houses. Because I wore them out. <laughs> Till they all did. Every one of them owns their house. And some of them were in their 20s. I'm, I'm just 
that's one of the things I'm so excited about with, with our kids. It's a great investment and it's a safe risk. Anytime you can take an asset and it will double in a, in a period of time, that, that's a good investment. And everybody's got to live somewhere. The power of using your cash right and wisely. Debt is only a tool. But it's a, it can be a wealth builder, too. The next thing I want to talk about is, is uh, understanding uh, where you are financially. And that's called your net worth. I mentioned to you that a, a, a FICA score can help you improve your, establish and grow your credit. I mean, when Nikki said, how many people know your credit score? I, I, I didn't even look at mine for years. So I went home and my wife, <laughs> we looked ours up. Investors are more concerned about net worth. This is how you calculate your net worth. I think I, sh I already showed this to you once, but I'm going to do it again. Because everyone needs to keep track of their net worth. If you're not doing that, you need to start now, this year, 2019. For me, I, I update my financial statement and my net worth typically every 12 to 14 months. Again, it's assets minus liabilities. And that's net worth. This is the gold standard that your lenders look for. They care about your FICA score, but not much. Your net worth is a snapshot of your financial activity. It tells them if your assets are increasing and if your liabilities are decreasing. That is a great scenario. And when that happens, your net worth goes up. It's in an upward trajectory. That's what you want to do. You should keep track of it. Now, if you're in a negative net worth, don't freak out. Keep track of it. Everybody's been there. Everybody's been through financial struggles. Everybody. But the, the, the important thing is that you... You make it a priority and that you watch it. And there's so much satisfaction that comes with uh, seeing your financial position improve. Net worth, it, it drops markers. It drops markers on your uh, wealth plan and your financial freedom plan. You can see things improving and growing. Uh, you know, some years, some, some things are better than others. But you see yourself, if, if you're working at it, you see yourself hopefully moving in the right direction. 
again, it illustrates your saving ability or, or your increase in assets. And oftentimes, as these things are totally related, if you borrowed for, let's say, a property, as you're paying it down, uh, your equity goes up. So one, one, they work together is what I'm trying to say. Next, um, you need to create and use a plan that will set you in the right direction. Some people are saying to themselves, oops, I think I went the wrong way. I just really don't have any place to start saving. If you're not saving something, you, ne you need to start tomorrow. And you, it takes time, change, and sacrifice. Do you know that if you will just start saving $10 a week in 2019, $10, there's about 40 weeks left in this year, you can have $400 set aside that you never had before. And there's a way to do it. I, everybody can come up with 10 bucks. Don't go to Starbucks, whatever. Do what I do. I, I buy dancers coffee. I'm too, I can't afford to go to Starbucks. If you'll take the same $10 and do that in 2020, per $10 per week, you'll have $520. You'll have nine, $920 that you're not going to have if you don't get started. Right. Things, this is how it works. Things grow when you get involved in a plan. Do you know if you kick that up to $15 a week, you'll have $780 next year, along with your $400, you'll have $1,180. What if you do that in 2021? In three years, we get, we're, we're going we're gonna to start making something happen. Preach it, Kevin. $780. <laughs> what are we at, 1960? We're at $2,000 in two years. When you have $2,000, you think differently. You think differently. And I'm telling you, not only will you have this money, you'll look at your bills differently. You treat them differently. You don't just throw them off to the side. You take care of them because what happens if you go to 20 bucks? Things happen. You can become an investor once you get a couple thousand dollars. You can buy some, a, a small stock portfolio. You can get started. Another thing, savings important, but decreasing your debt is important too. You can do something as simple as looking at your car loan. 
And if you're on a 36-month car loan, you sit down and you say, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to knock that to zero in 18 months. When you get this action going where your debt is going down and you get this action going where it's going up, those are foundational things that, that help you in wealth building. Wealth building is simple math for the most part. It's, it's basic and simple math. There are short and long-term benefits to a good cash position. Some short-term benefits is, like I mentioned before, you, you feel differently about money. When you get money in your pocket, money that's accessible, a lot of times your uh, conversation starts shifting from what bills can we pay to what, what, can we, what can we invest in? Everybody starts out small. Everybody. Amen. Another thing, it, it gives you peace. There's a peace from not having that, that pressure of, of those bills that, that you've, you're not sure how to, to get paid off or taken care of. Financial stress decreases, it fades. Um, and your conversations change. You can get engaged in investing types of conversation. You begin to wrap your mind around how your wealth can grow. Some of the long-term benefits of a good cash position is you're working from a solid and stable foundation. These are the building blocks. These are the building blocks to wealth. You just add zeros after a while. You just add zeros and everything changes, but the, it's, it's basic math. Kind of like that first example. Some people can only see owning a $100,000 building while the investor knows if he's got $100,000 cash, he could get five or six. Next is... You have to be creative. You have to, you have, to have a creative use of cash, equity, and leverage. And that, that's the road to wealth. I'm going to talk a little bit about each of those. But first, in um, Luke 8 and 5, if you could pull that up. It says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. God looks at how we sow our seed. He looks at how we sow our seed. And I, I believe he loves creativity. For me, uh, I've been self-employed almost my whole life, my, my whole working life. And I've, I've had to and I've chosen to try to think creatively. And when you're self-employed, it's, it's, it's a must. But 
Is there, is there a risk with creativity? Absolutely. But there's also a risk in doing nothing. Let me, let me, uh, let me take you to um, the scripture in, in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. That's the, that's the scripture that talks about the talents. And you remember that one person was given one talent uh, the second servant was given two talents, and the third person was given five talents. The person that was given one talent, what did he do? Buried it. And he brought it back. Things didn't turn out so good there, did they? He had a stinky attitude, too, didn't he? You got to have the right attitude. And you got to have proper management. On the other hand, the other two, a second servant that, that got the two talents, what did he do? He doubled, right? He brought back the two that he was given originally, and he, had, he brought back two more. And so did the person that had five talents. And what did the Lord have to say about that? Well done. Not just well done. Guess what? I'm going to give you guys more. Here's what we don't know about those two guys. We don't know what they were really shooting for in their investing. Maybe they really wanted to quadruple. Maybe they wanted to quadruple and didn't make it. Doesn't matter, does it? They ended up doubling. And by taking the risk... Coming back with more. That was good enough. This is a situation where God can put his super on your natural. If you will put your hand to the plow. To me, there's a bigger risk in doing nothing. I believe that. I, be I truly, truly believe that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about uh, is equity and leverage. We talked a little bit about equity with the $100,000 example, having it 60% paid off. Remember, I was, I was using the $100,000 mortgage that has $40,000 left to pay on it, and that leaves uh, equity that the bank looks at very similar to cash. You can, you can borrow off of this. But here's, here's the component of leverage. Here's what leverage looks like. Leverage is like a teeter-totter. And when you take equity and you start loading it up on the teeter-totter do you know what happens the teeter-totter starts looking like this my point is Equity gives you leverage. Leverage is 
where you don't always have to come up with green money, but you can use your pay down ability, the, the, the difference between the market value of a property and what you owe, you can use that to invest in, whether it's property, stocks, whatever. Equity and leverage are another component of the power of cash. And the thing that I want to I close with and leave you with is that God is our source. God, God is our source. When God wants us to stretch our faith, he's told us that, that it's about reaping and sowing and if this is the ground, and if, if we will just take our seed and plant it in his soil, if we will do that, and then if we'll, if we'll use his ground, if we'll use his air, if we'll use his rain, if we'll use his sun, his heat, this thing, it will germinate. You can't even see it do that. It will germinate. And in the, in, in the example of corn, one seed can produce up to 16 kernels. That's how God's system works. God's system will take you where human reasoning and human understanding can't take you. Most people don't buy that you could throw something in dirt and it's going to flourish. But that's how God's system works. He is our source. He is our provider. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, God gives us the power to give wealth. He gives that to everyone. He gives it to everyone. And his Isaiah 55, 10. It says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return, return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's my, that's my example here. If we will just... Sow into his system, put our hand to the plow, use God-given principles, meditate on his word, apply it. Uh, people are going to look at us and, and know that there is something different on our lives. When we are in prayer and meditation, I believe that puts us into God's direct process. And in all we do, we need to do all our investing with godly wisdom. And the last thing if I can do this, the last thing I got to say about this is you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Serious. Thank you for tonight.